talking about covenant. And um, so what do you do when you're going to talk about something? You go to Google. And this is what Google says. The difference between a covenant and a contract. Contracts are legally binding agreements with defined terms and conditions, while covenants are more about personal or spiritual commitments, often lacking legal enforceability. And the difference between a covenant and an agreement. An agreement is conditional made between two or more parties and relies on both parties for it to remain continuous. And this I loved. A covenant is made by one party to whomever and needs no agreement or conscious effort on the party of the covenant made with to continue. It remains in effect no matter what the other party does. Powerful. So let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a covenant God. We thank you, Lord, that you are here with us this morning. And we ask, Father, that as we learn of your word and of your covenant, that you will just open our hearts, open our minds, and speak into our spirit. There we deep cries out to deep, Lord. And we surrender ourselves into your name, in Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> so, covenants. Now back, oh wait, I'm going the wrong way. There we go. So there's Boaz, and he's got his sandal, and he's swapping. So back in the day, they had this whole nine-step ritual they did when they made covenant with, with one another. And that's Boaz being the kin, kinsman redeemer for Ruth. Well, amongst other things like, like eating bread, cutting an animal in half, walking through it, they did a blood covenant where they cut on their hands and then they rubbed into it so it could scar. Now, the reason for that is when, when you pick up beef with someone else, like Mark says, hey, step out, I'll meet you behind the bleachers, then all I do is I lift up my sleeve and I show him whom I'm covenant with. And if I've got so many scars, you know you're not fighting with me. You're fighting with a lot of people. And that's covenant because we've made a vow. The swapping of the shoes is that you're vulnerable, you can't run. But they swap belts because that's where the swords are carried. And we've made a vow that I will fight for you. It doesn't matter if you're wrong or right. If you say, come, I'm going to fight Mark behind the back steps there. I'm there. <laughs> it's on <laughs> because of covenant. And so that, that's covenant. So we're going to go through the covenant and we're going to start with the Edenic covenant. And Genesis 2 verses 15 my glass is going to go up and down. It's just one of those things, age. And the key word here is rule. So Genesis 2.15. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Psalms 8 verse 6. You have made him dominion over all the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. God enters a covenant with man and he gives him dominion over something he created. Now that in itself is powerful. We are made to rule. But man rebelled and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he forsook his position of ruler and brought sin into the world. And with sin comes death, because the wages of sin is death. That's in Romans, Romans 6. So when you sin, you don't fall over and die, but something dies. Something is dying when you sin. could be your money could be your relationships, could be your connection with God. Something is dying because the wages of sin is death. So what did God do? He created another covenant. 
the Adamic covenants. Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your heel and you shall bruise his head. God redeems the broken covenant because of Adam by placing enmity, enmity between the serpent and the woman's seed. And we now know, because we know the end of the story, that, that he was talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. Satan was going to inflict minor damage to Christ when he put him on that cross. But Jesus was going to inflict major damage to Satan when he overcame death and defeated the curse of death. But sin was already in the earth, and man was becoming more evil. So he had to make another covenant. And so we have the Noetic covenant. And the key word there is restraint. So Genesis 6 verse 7 says, So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. God showed restraint by not destroying the whole of my, mankind. But he couldn't destroy the whole of mankind because he's a, a God of word and truth and he has covenant. And because of that covenant is why we are not wiped out totally. He showed restraint, which speaks about his character, not because of his great mercy to us, but also because he is a covenant God. Genesis 8.21 says, And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of a heart's man is evil, from his youth, nor will I ever again destroy any living thing I have done. He made a covenant that he would never again destroy any living thing. But man is evil <laughs> and soon started doing evil again. And God then gave the Abrahamic covenant. And the key word there is restore because now he wants to restore mankind. So God... Um, used one man to restore himself to mankind, and that was Abraham. In Genesis 12, verse 3, uh, 1 to 3, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and, form, uh, and from your father's house, it says form, <laughs> to the land that I will show you. I will make a great nation. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and the families of earth shall be blessed. So in this covenant, God made three promises to Abraham. He said, go out from your father's land. He gave him land, and that is Israel. Then he says, and I will give you, make you a great nation. He gave him people, that is the Jews. And then he says, and I will bless you. And the blessing is to know God. So the people will come to know God. So God said in his covenant, he would bless those who bless him and curse those who curse him. And we see it when they were stuck in Egypt. The minute it was going well, Egypt was literally feeding the whole world during the drought because it was going well. And he was blessing them because he blessed Abraham's people, Joseph and all of them. But the minute Egypt started cursing them, they lost their firstborn and they suffered ten plagues. I will curse those who curse you. So then after that, man is evil. <laughs> And man sinned again. <laughs> and we had to have the Mosaic Covenant. And that was after they came out of Egypt, they were in, in the desert, and uh, Moses went up to Mount Sinai and he got a, the Ten Commandments. 
and they could see how they needed to live. That you can find in Leviticus, and you can find it all over, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do that. So they had a mirror of what it was like to be holy and what you should do to be holy. And the minute they looked at that mirror, they realized, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not holy. I need to sacrifice. So they sacrificed, and they had sacrifices for... Um, if you were un- touched a dead body, sacrifices for when you were happy, sacrifices for when you needed help, sacrifices for the priest, sacrifices for holy days, sacrifice. They and that's what they did to keep themselves pure and holy. And because of a covenant that God had with Moses, and and they had to do this to keep themselves pure until Christ came and paid the ultimate price. But men were evil, and they did bad. So we had to get another one, the Palestinian covenant. And the key word there is return. So generations passed, and soon the covenant between man and God was forgotten. And God reminded them of it. So he comes to them in Deuteronomy 29 and 30, but in Deuteronomy 21 it starts with, these are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make to the children of Israel in the land of Moab. So they're telling them, okay, guys, remember the covenant. Remember we've got a covenant with our God. And he promises them again the three things he promised Abraham. He promised them land, Israel. He promised them people, I will multiply you. You will be many. And then he also promised blessings. All nations will know God. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. But there was extra promise in this. In verse 6, he promised them a new heart. So he promised everything that he promised Abraham. It was still that covenant. But God comes with a new condition, if you will, with a covenant. I will give you a new heart. I will take that old heart of yours and I will circumcise it. And I will create in you a new heart. But you know the story. Men were evil. And they did sin in the eyes of the Lord. So he had to come up with another covenant. And this is the divinic covenant. The key word here is reign. So in 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 to 16, God is telling um, David the covenant he's making with him, and he's promising him, your days are filled, and when you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you. You will come, um, sorry, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house in my name and establish a throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He will be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men. And so he promises all these things to, to David. So this is after five years of being ruled by judges and living in evil. God comes back and reminds them, hey, I've got a covenant with you. And this is what I'm going to promise you. I'm going to promise you that your son will have a throne. I'm going to promise you that you will have a house. You will build my house. And I'm going to promise you a kingdom forever. But how can he promise him a kingdom forever if Solomon's going to die? Which is why Jesus had to come from the bloodline of David. Because the kingdom will go on forever. And that is one of the reasons Jesus comes out of that bloodline. Is because God is a God of covenant. And that's man once again doing evil. But after this, and after this, this realization of a new kingdom of power that will reign forever, we get the new covenant. And the word there is regenerator. 
And that we get out of Jeremiah 31, verse 33. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with my house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenants I made with their fathers. In the day I took them from the land and led them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant, which, covenant sorry, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but the covenant I will make with the house of Israel in those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every brother say, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. And the least of them to the greatest will say, um, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sins will be remembered no more. So he has a new covenant. And this new covenant says, right, I'm writing it on your hearts because you're a forgetful nation. I'm writing it on your hearts. I'm circumcising that heart. I'm putting my covenant in it and you will be my people. So after many bad kings, Israel goes into exile, but God promises him that he'll make a new covenant. And that was it. In verse 32, he refers to them as babies. I've led you by the hand. In verse 33, he refers to them as a son. I will be your father. But in verse 34, he says God will forgive all their sins because he's already made a way. There's already a redeemer coming. And he's going to regenerate us. Jesus took, spoke of this new covenant in the Last Supper. And if Ronan can get up now, thanks. Ronan. <laughs> and as we enter in this time where this is actually the communion message, I just had to tell you all about those covenants first. <laughs> um, so if we remember what Google told us in the beginning, a covenant remains in effect no matter what the other party does. A covenant remains in effect no matter what the other party does. God is in covenant with us. There's nothing you can do to break that covenant. Nothing. And we saw how many covenants God had to make only for man to break them over and over and over again. 